Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast 70, the UK's digital TV and technology show. The show that's driven by feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me today is our tech guru, Pete. Hi there. In today's show, the future of the internet, as discussed at an industry insider session. Now, here's a look at what we'll be talking about in today's tantalizing take on technology. Sky's bringing Formula One to Freeview. How to control your TV from an iPhone. Updated to Virgin's TiVo and the 3DS. We play with the LiveScribe dictation pen. Plus your comments on printers, Plus One and Ham Radio. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. Headline time, starting off with Formula One. Fans be aware that Sky is planning to launch its dedicated F1 channel next year, now that it has the racing rights. The channel is expected to be free for Sky Sports or Sky HD subscribers. So what about Freeview and Freesat? A recent news story implied that Sky would be offering Formula One to Freeview users for £10 a month. However, a tweet from Sky confirms that their F1 coverage won't be on Freeview or Freesat. No news yet for the future of F1 on Virgin or BT Vision. Talking of Virgin Media, users of the powerful TiVo set-top box system have just had an upgrade. Version 15.2 offers a better iPlayer and YouTube experience, Express Series Link and improved text search. Next, hands up if you own a Nintendo 3DS. Not many of you by the looks of it. Well, those of you with a Who Needs Glasses 3D Games console should note that an update is planned for this month. It seems that the update will improve stability and sharing, and may add the ability to take 3D video footage. Oh, and by the way, the classic Mario Kart is now available in three dimensions on the 3DS. Next, if you're a fan of test cards, and who isn't, note that Sky has launched a 3D test card. This is available on the Sky 3D channel and on Sky Anytime, and features Zoe Ball explaining how to get the best 3D experience at home. Link on our show notes. In Freesat news, Box Office 365 appears in December, allowing viewers to get streaming movies for $4.99 a month. An internet connection is required, and at the moment it's only for Humax set-top boxes. Next, if you love radio, let it live. That's the slogan of a new campaign set to start in December to drive interest in digital radio. Expect TV and press ads with a nice green logo, as well as a radio campaign and a new DAB coverage checker. With the digital TV switchover due to complete in 2012, the radio switchover will be next on the agenda. And finally, do you recognise this voice? Well, you are at Gadget Show Live! And I must admit, it's great to see you guys. That's Polly from Channel 5's Gadget Show. All of the Gadget Show presenters have their own page on Wikipedia. But at the end of November, the powers that be decided to zap poor Pollyanna Woodward's page, apparently because her presence has yet to generate independent impact. A similar thing happened to the Frequency Cast page earlier this year. Do you think Polly deserves her own page? If you do, retweet Save Gadget Polly. Shame on you, Wikimods. Thanks, Pete. For more on these stories and others, visit frequencycast.co.uk slash news. Frequency Cast. Now loading. Focus. 
focus it is. And uh, what's today's subject, Pete? Well, we've got quite a lot to get through, including a look at a couple of gadgets perfect for the festive season, including an amazing audio pen, some hobby kit, and a clever way to control your TV from your smartphone. First, though, it's all about the internet. Oh yes, last month you were invited to some sort of special meeting, weren't you, discussing the hot new topics of the internet industry? Well, I was honoured to be invited to an industry insight session to chat about what we can expect in the next 12 months. The session was chaired by Matt Warman, who is the Consumer Technology Editor for the Daily Telegraph, and we'll be talking to him in just a moment. Also present were Daniel Booth, the editor of Web User Magazine, Ken Lowe, who is a leading broadband and technology blogger, Bob Pullen and Ben Trimble from Plusnet, and Barry Zubel, who is one of Plusnet's super users. Hang on a minute. Super user? Is this like Superman? Does he wear his pants on the outside? Well, he wasn't on the day I met him. I was wondering what a super user was, though, and that was actually one of my first questions. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a super user. I actually chose my current uh, home based on the distance from the exchange so I could get a good connection. I don't want to have to wait for things to download. So, yeah, I mean, I use a, a whole range of internet services and I use them heavily. That's your philosophy too, Pete, isn't it? Don't you use the internet from time to time? About 23 hours a day I think I'm on these days. So, what did you learn and uh, what have you got to play me? We're going to play you a few bits from the actual session itself as well as a few interviews. The agenda was actually set by the Frequency Cast listeners. We sent out a tweet and a note in our newsletter asking for comments. What we're going to try and do now is to go through some of the questions and hear what was said. We'll be putting the full version of the session, plus the full-length version of the interviews, up on our show notes if you want to hear more. To start with, we chatted to the event's host to find out what the highlights of the session were for him. And remind me, who was that host? Matt Woman. I'm the Consumer Technology Editor for The Daily Telegraph. And I wanted to know what Matt thought were the hot talking points of the session. I think there are lots of trends to pick out. You can talk about whether uh, broadband uh, growth is being driven by streaming of TV, of movies, of radio, of uh, online gaming. But I think I think one of the interesting things that came out was that Plusnet really didn't give the impression that their network was coming apart at the seams. We get the impression sometimes in, in some coverage that broadband demand is so enormous that uh, networks can't cope. What Plusnet was saying was if you have a properly managed network, as obviously they, they would claim theirs is, then you can manage demand, you can give people certainly what they pay for and also what they want in terms of broadband service. Okay, lots to talk about then. If I got it right, uh, the session was put together by Plusnet, the good honest Yorkshire folk. These are the guys that actually have their own proper call centre, aren't they? Yep, they pride themselves in having a Yorkshire call centre rather than outsourcing to another country. Yeah, we've spoken to them before, haven't we? Ah, well remembered. Yes, we spoke to the COO of Plusnet back in May of this year, and we were talking, if you remember, about World IPv6 Day. Oh yes, the new IP addresses. Wasn't that the day that the internet was going to break again? Not quite. If you want to hear our interview with Plusnet about IPv6, you need to be having a listen to show number 62. But to find out how IPv6 Day went for Plusnet, I spoke to Bob. My name is Bob Pullen. I work, as we said, for Plusnet on their digital care team. So, how did IPv6 Day go for Plusnet? It went well. The, the network performed as it should do. My IPv6 connection certainly worked, which is more than I could have hoped for, really. Uh, and we had some novel uses that our customers uh, put out there, one in particular being a, an IPv6 cat feeder. Yeah, I've heard there's some complaints about cat obesity as a result of that trial. Is that fair? <laughs> That's very fair, yeah, quite possibly. Now I know. So, uh, did the thorny subject of broadband speed come up? 
Oh yes, quite a few times. I asked Matt from the Daily Telegraph for his views on when we're going to see speed becoming a really big deal. Well, it's very much a chicken and egg situation, isn't it? If you haven't got uh, these impressive speeds, then you can't use or invent the services that need those speeds. So we're, we're nudging towards it, whether it's uh, more streaming of HDTV, the ultra-high definition that's coming further down the line, better video games streamed more effectively online and multiplayer and all of those things. But... Of course, if those things are coping on a five, six, seven meg line, then do you really need anything higher? Um, we will get those speeds because it's what it's the infrastructure that is being put in. And when those uh, speeds come, I think we will see a whole range of, of services, but we'll also see a lot of services that are just what we've got now, but souped up. There was a lot of discussion about whether the internet is actually a commodity. Is it right to expect good quality internet access in the same way as we expect to get mains gas, electricity and water? I think broadband is something that whether you need to be paying a bill or interacting with government, filling in your tax return, that sort of thing, people increasingly demand that that is done online. Now, if you're going to make it that sort of a a necessity, then inevitably, like water, like gas, it's going to become a commoditised service in some way or other. Um, What we see, though, is companies such as Sky, such as BT, wanting to add services on top of it so that even if the, the core service is basically a commodity, product you get extra things packed on top of it. Listeners Mark Garnett and Rob Dixon got in touch about the controversial subject of up to speeds. When you order your internet connection you'll typically go to a website like BT or Plusnet or Orange or O2 and you'll see advertised prices and rates typically things like up to 20 megabits a second up to 40 megabits a second but when you actually get your broadband installed you find you get significantly less than that. Yes, I hear a lot about that. Lots of unhappy people not able to get the speeds they've paid for. And that was a hot topic for the Insight session. Well, there's been a huge amount of controversy about up to uh, speeds because uh, literally in some cases the up to speed that's advertised is a speed that no one could ever get. Um, The change uh, is that now a percentage of people, a very low percentage, just 10%, are going to have to be able to get that speed if if a service is advertised as up to. Now, I think uh, there will be a sort of sanitising effect across the industry of of that. Um, But uh, it's still going to be something that winds consumers up a lot. Where I think we're going to see a diminishing of its importance is just because people are going to get services through natural upgrades from ISPs that mean that they're coming up against that slowing much less often and much less obviously. So there is going to be some progress on that, but I think a lot of consumers are still going to be fairly cross and legitimately so that you buy an up to 24 meg package and then when they give you your personal estimate, well, six is all you're ever going to get. Mark Garnett asked about broadband sharing with other users. And Mark Hawkins asked, why don't UK ISPs offer a more managed network service, i.e. preventing peer-to-peer connections and blocking access to sites connected with malware? Is that right? Malware? Absolutely. So that's the suggestion that the broadband providers actually take control of the network to stop nasty things happening and unauthorised file sharing, that kind of thing. We did actually touch on that in the session, although it does remind me of the days of AOL and Kix, where you were effectively in a walled garden and the ISP controlled everything. Not really sure we want to be going back to those days, but I agree there is certainly a place for the ISP to take a bit more control. So hold on a minute, with all these people going online and, oh, we've got the Olympics coming up as well, is this all going to get clogged up? 
Well, that's the danger, and Plusnet were telling us about various traffic spikes. Here's a quick extract from the session. You've got two different um, things you can have. You've got the general increase in streaming services. Things like YouTube, iPlayer, they are regularly increasing on a week-by-week basis. We regularly see them you know, breaking their own previous bests, as it were. You then also have the one-off events, things like the, uh, the Manchester United versus Man City game. Um, a lot of people happen to watch that because they may only have access to Sky, Go. So you need to always keep in mind the, the general increase and the one-off events and just make sure that you're covered for both of those. Mm. And we are bringing forward the bandwidth that would have been allocated in 2013 through to 2012 to make sure that we do have sufficient bandwidth. Apologies for the quality of the audio there, that was recorded at the session itself. There are plenty of anecdotes out there about the electricity companies struggling when the adverts come on between Coronation Street and the sudden demand for electricity goes up as people put the kettle on. We get a similar phenomenon with the internet, and in particular, as Carl mentioned earlier, events like football matches and the Olympics. We spoke to one of the other guys at Plusnet to find out a little bit more about how spikes affect our internet use. My name's Ben Trimble. I work in the quality and service management team. Now, we had the recent iOS 5 rollout uh, where everyone's patching their iPads and iPhones furiously. What kind of impact did that have on your network? Uh, It did have a noticeable increase in the amount of traffic that went over uh, the Akamai content distribution network. Uh, It was around 10% of the total network bandwidth that evening was the iOS 5 update itself. And we also saw interesting trends, things like a approximately quadrupling in the amount of downloads for music. So often while people were updating their iPad or their their iPhone, they were actually going on iTunes at the same time and looking to get a few more songs while they were there. So we had the knock-on effect of uh, the extra usage from that. So did Apple give you any warning this was going to happen or did you just suddenly start seeing all the alarm bells flashing and uh, people hitting their download buttons? We make sure that we keep a good eye on the news um, and all things like sport listings to make sure that we have the network capacity available for all of these upcoming events. Although perhaps a little bit more notice from Apple about the size of the update would have been appreciated. Uh, In the discussion today, there was lots of talk about speeds. The up two always comes up, and we had some questions in from our listeners about this. Can you just give me an explanation as to why it isn't possible to, to perhaps guarantee some of these higher speeds for customers? The up to headline speeds are based on somebody living very close to the exchange with a fault-free service and a very short, perfect quality line. In more recent times, we've moved away from that advertising um, to advertise other aspects of the products. And we make sure that during sign-up, we inform customers of exactly what we expect their download speed to be. And shortly after their service has gone active, we send them another email to let them know exactly what the download speed is. So if there is any big discrepancy we're always more than happy to look into that for them. And generally speaking, the bottleneck is those little bits of copper wire down the street. Is that where the, uh, the limiting factor is? For the majority of customers, that's right. Um, with the traditional up to 8 megabit per second network and on the up to 20 megabit per second network, the copper is the, uh, the main reason in the reduction speeds. But we're now moving to fibre services, both fibre to the cabinet, where you're reducing the length of the copper cable and also using newer technology, which is VDSL as a opposed to ADSL to provide faster speeds and also fibre to the premises where you keep the digital signal all the way to the house which will allow speeds of uh, currently up to 100 meg. Our first customer actually reported 107 meg so we did quite well there. Wow okay so 107 megabits per second what do people want to be using that kind of bandwidth for? 
At the moment, I don't think uh, there's a great deal of uh, content distribution out there that would make use of, of such a headline speed. At the moment, even HD streams, iPlayer and as such, they're only really going to push sort of four, four and a half meg out, out of your line at any one time. But for a normal residential household to be using 100 meg of bandwidth, they'd have to be doing something pretty special. Presumably that could change. Yes, yeah, certainly the, the content providers are going to follow suit with the infrastructure. As it becomes more available, yes, we are going to see these higher bandwidth with services particular service springing to mind being uh, the on live gaming service that's that's come about recently the uptake in that has been since it came across this side of the pond quite significant we've got over a million subscribers i think they they last reported as having that's probably going to sap even more bandwidth than you'd expect a, a hdi player stream to to use you're probably looking in the region of five perhaps six meg of bandwidth so perhaps as people do take up services like that yes we are going to see these sort of 40 and 100 meg connections being stretched a little bit further perhaps with two three people simultaneously gaming using on live or something like that. Next, we turn to Barry, who's one of Plusnet's super users. If you remember from earlier, he chose his house based on the available bandwidth in his area. So we asked Barry if he makes the maximum use of his bandwidth. Not necessarily. I mean, I have a decent connection and uh, what I like to do is use it on demand when I want to use it. Fair enough. So you're on an unlimited plan, presumably? Not at all. I'm actually on a fairly limited plan with Plusnet. I do have some additional products added to my account to make it faster to use. And I also take advantage of their overnight free usage so I can actually delay the download of certain things. The overnight download policy, just remind us of what that is and can you give us any kind of indication as to how heavily that's used? All of our current product set includes a free download time between midnight and 8am, so that's a completely unlimited download, they don't count towards your monthly usage and there's no cap whatsoever on the amount that you can download. Every day when we come in to have a look at the traffic graphs, we see a spike at midnight where everyone turns their downloads on. We probably see around a 25 to 40% increase in the total traffic from just before midnight to just after when everyone switches that on. A nice little service for those that like to do a lot of of out-of-hours downloading. Our final question to the team from Plusnet relates to the future of the internet and where we can see things going over the next 12 months. Here's Bob. It will certainly be interesting to see where OnLive goes and if the healthy take-up continues throughout next year, because I can see that being a big consumer of bandwidth. Um, there is the introduction of further TV services like uh, UView in particular. I don't expect the usage with uh, iPlayer, uh, YouTube and Sky streaming services to be decreasing at all. I can see those, those increasing a lot. Same question to the super user. My money's on Netflix. Netflix has been announced for the UK. In the US, currently in peak time, it uses around 30, 33% of all internet traffic. And I think that's going to be a big one for 2012 in the UK. Okay, and Ben? I think that we're going to see a, a very steady increase in the streaming services over the next few years. But I think that we're also seeing a bit of a cultural shift with how people consume the content. So instead of people being reliant on their favourite programmes being on when they come in on an evening from work, they, people are getting more used to watching the programmes at their own leisure. So I think that will certainly drive the demand for streaming content. So there you have it. Thanks to Matt Warman for chairing and for Daniel, Ken, Ben, Bob and Barry for such a lively debate. And thanks too to our listeners for supplying some questions. And to Natalie and the team at Kazoo for putting on the Plusnet Industry Insight session that we enjoyed so much. We've just uploaded a longer version of this feature on our site. 
as we couldn't fit it all into the show. That's right, and we've also uploaded the full one-hour session as well, which makes fascinating listening for anyone interested in the future of the internet, plans for the Olympics, and more on the Up To debate. You can find both of those bits of audio at www.frequencycast.co.uk forward slash plusnet. Right, now for something a little lighter, gadgets. As our loyal listeners know, we did an update a few weeks ago looking at some of the gadgets and gizmos to buy for Christmas. Uh, We've got three more to add to that list. Yes, and the one I'm really intrigued by is the pen you're holding. Haven't we done something like that before? Well remembered, yes, in show 40 we first featured this pen. It's the LiveScribe Pulse Pen. Now, the one we've got here is the newer model, the Echo, which is stunning. Now, this is the cleverest piece of technology out, and if you missed it, have a listen to show 40 to find out what it does. Well, unlike the original one that I saw, which was, I think, grey, if I remember rightly, this is about the same size, but it's uh, rubberized. It's got a nicer feel to it. It doesn't feel like it's going to slip out of your hand. got a lovely little screen on it. It's got a speaker. So this is the Echo. Basically, this has eight gigabytes of memory on it it can hold up to 800 hours of audio from its built-in mic 800 hours that's tiny holds all that and what it does if you look at the bottom of it it's got an infrared camera and it writes on this special paper so you can write something down on it and as you're writing it takes a an image of what you're writing the paper has little dots to indicate how uh, it's just too clever to go into the practical upshot though i used it on the plusnet session that we were talking about earlier i can now go to my paper notepad and select any part of the note so here i've written the word fiber and i tap on it with my pen And effectively, I'm listening to what I was writing at the time I did it. So for putting together the notes for this show, absolutely superb. Nice bit of kit. It's wonderful. I don't know whether people can actually hear what that's saying, but it's a little bit indistinct unless you're actually here. And it's as clear as a bell. You can actually hear a meeting. And that wasn't actually directed at the speaker, was it? That's just in a boardroom. Absolutely correct. Brilliant for taking notes. The other advantage is when you get back to base dock it up to your computer and you can download it as a PDF. You can also convert it to text, which you can search. Very, very clever. And of course, your favourite toy. Oh yeah, I like this bit. You can draw on your piece of paper a piano. Go on then, give us a demo. Excellent. All done with a pen on a piece of paper. How cool. Oh, good grief. You've written down here weather station. What is it? Ham radio weather stations. What are you? Tedium? I had to mention this. A few shows ago, we talked about these uh, weather stations that you can get for home. The one that, that we highly recommend is now available at half price, which is why we mentioned it again. So for 70 quid, you get yourself this lovely bit of technology. It's got a touchscreen unit that you have in your home and a unit that you fix to your shed or to your fence, which measures the rain, wind direction, wind speed, temperature and pressure. And aesthetically, it's not very pleasing either. Yeah, you do have to stick some gadgets on top of your shed to make it work. The beauty, though, is it streams the information from the weather station onto your computer and you can upload it to the internet. So I have my back garden streaming on the internet with all its live weather data and history going back about a year or so. Uh, If you're going to get one of these, I would recommend you bin the free easy weather software that comes with it and go for Cumulus, which is Brill and free. There you go. Link on our show notes. Now, there's only one other thing I need to do in my life, and that's remote control my TV with my iPhone, which I don't have. 
Hold this and describe, please. Well, it looks like uh, a black pot about the size of a face cream pot, to be honest with you, but uh, it doesn't... I can't take the lid off. What you do with this, it's a cylindrical device. You hide it somewhere in your lounge, and using your iPhone or iPod's Bluetooth, you can control all of your audio-video equipment. To me, this sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. This is awesome. I mean, how many families have, like, three or four people with an iPhone? They're all going to be sitting there trying to control the TV all at once. There's going to be that whole war over what channel you watch. It's brilliant. Okay, here's the free application that comes with it for the iPhone. Very quick description of what you see on the screen here. Okay, right, so you've got like a a scrolly bar thing that you can flick up and down. It has TV, Blu-ray, receiver, satellite. So it's got loads of options, uh, your hi-fi, watch movies. It's got all sorts of settings. So basically, this thing can control anything with an infrared receive on it. And look at all the manufacturers it's got built in. AC Ryan, ABS, Saxon, A's alone. There must be, good grief, there's like 150 A's alone. C's, we only just got there. Bose, you name it, it's there. You've been able to control your equipment before, but you've had to have a little dongle plugged into the bottom of your iPhone. Now, this thing uses Bluetooth, so you don't have to muck about with any extra dongles. It's incredibly clever, and it supports macros, so you can turn on multiple devices. Why? What? So you can wander into your home, switch the lights on, turn on the TV, switch it to satellite, tune it to channel 503, and mute it, and and you're off and running, all with one button. (laughs) How much do I have to pay for that luxury? Normally, 80 of your pounds, discounted down to 60. Yep, and we have links to all three of these items, plus others we covered in our November update at frequencycast.co.uk forward slash gadgets. Frequencycast, now loading. Interaction. Time for feedback and questions now. First off, we had some comments on our last show, which was all about printers. Mark Hawkins said, when you discussed printer running costs, there was no mention of laser printers. Do you know what? He's absolutely right. They are now fairly cheap to buy, at least black and white are, uh, but much cheaper to run. Yep, my bad, we didn't mention laser printers in any detail. They are indeed cheaper to run. Mark has also suggested the topic of disposing of an old PC and your other electrical devices. Maybe something for a future show. What a good idea. Anyone have any tips on safe disposal of their old tech? Dave Taylor also got in touch. He also highlighted laser printers. They are quicker to print multiple sheets, cheaper to run, and the print doesn't run if it gets wet. Dave and M. McKay also spotted my, um, deliberate mistake. Oh, you're so cheeky. You're always putting deliberate mistakes in, aren't you? And which one did they notice this time? Uh, Read this from Dave. Well, you see, now Pete referred to OEM, but got it wrong. It stands for Original Equipment Manufacturer, which is the total opposite to his definition. Yes, cheers chaps. It uh, must have been a Thursday. I never could get the hang of Thursdays. Next we hear from Kevin Hopwood. He's a newbie. Hi there Kev. I've only listened to the latest three shows and I do like them. I was wondering whether you could review the website www.getjam.mobi. So uh, what's that then? Get jam? What about marmalade? Okay, let's have a quick look at this now. There's the icon, Carl. It's got a jam label. And this actually isn't an application, this is a website, .mobi being commonly used for websites. Uh, what we're actually firing up now is a web application that is um, rather cunning. I'm not entirely sure myself yet. The idea is that you look at various uh, video clips and fill in various surveys. These things have been around for a while, and you get points. 
So look at the top of the screen there. I've got a picture of a bunch of grapes and how many points? Uh, that's actually a blackberry on one side and a raspberry on the other with a score in the middle of 55. And if I watch, uh, for instance, a Foster's video clip here, I get 10 berry points. If I collect enough of these, I get some iTunes vouchers. It's an interesting idea. This kind of thing's been around before and I'm giving it a try. So for the next show, I'll see if I can update you on my Get Jam status. Anyone with any experience of this or any other schemes, do get get in touch cool sounds like fun made bloke asks why doesn't bbc one have a plus one? Oh, it would be so handy if it did i don't know it's, it's odd isn't it itv channel 4 channel 5 do but not the bbc i suppose they've got their iplayer though Ooh, cool rf 79 asks when is apple going to make siri work properly in the uh, uk yeah there's a good question so it still doesn't uh, integrate properly with maps and of course we don't have that female voice siri is technically still a beta so uh, we're hoping for some uh, updates and improvements anytime soon. Beta? I thought it was an alpha male. Only in the UK. Where it doesn't work. Right. Any feedback on our gadget special, Pete? Oh, yes. We released a little update in the middle of November. Us Christmas shopping with our good friend, Kelly. She's nice. She's very nice. We got a lot of tweets from people that found it quite a giggle. Rob Dixon got in touch to say he was very surprised that you didn't slip in a stockings joke, Carl. Well, truth be told, our editor got there first, Rob. Drat filed again. One Christmas present that wasn't mentioned was from Dave Rogers, who thinks that the iPad 2 accessories will be on the top of most people's Christmas list. Hmm, good choice. Ah, Carl, Dave is from Deddington On Air, a radio station in Oxfordshire that's just signed up to broadcast our shows. Welcome aboard. Also, hi to our new listeners tuning in to us on Trent Sound in Nottingham. We hope you're all enjoying the show. Also, hi to SW Listener, who tweeted to say he'd enjoyed our Christmas update, and he now wants a Beofeng ham radio. Yeah, talking of amateur radio, uh, we had this podline call. I think you paid this guy, didn't you, Pete? My name is Alan, and my amateur radio call sign is G7VQV. I think your programme is absolutely fantastic. It keeps you up to date with the latest technology, and uh, I find it very interesting. So... Uh, Keep up the good work, lads, and uh, uh, keep up the amateur radio link. Bye. 73 is to you, Alan. And also hi to Keith, who confused us by using his US call sign instead of his usual G6 call. Pete, take your anorak off. Hello, I'm John from Channel 5's Gadget Show, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Well, if you want to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail by calling 0208 133 4567. So you won't need a ham radio for that. Or you can text us on 07882 043 521. We'd love to hear from a few more of you, so please get in touch and say hi. Our show's driven by feedback from you. So, talk to us. Frequency cast. Shutdown in progress. And that's your lot for this show, Show 70. For news updates or to get in touch, please visit frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Thanks for listening to our tantalising take on technology. And if you like what you've heard, please spread the word. word.